Hello and welcome to FS Brew. FS Brew is a region's first podcast focusing on all things insurance and insurtech here in the UAE and the wider Middle East. I'm Vidya. I'm the founder of Forward, a startup that works with insurance companies to build their go-to-market proposition. Hi, I'm Ranjit Philip. I work with a boutique consulting firm where I work on M&A, funding, and go-to-market support for startups and tech companies. In today's episode, we have with us Mohab Abueta, co-founder and CEO of Amin Lake, a digital insurance brokerage in Egypt, which has funding from very interesting investors such as Orange Telecom and Bank Mist. Hope you enjoy listening to this exciting episode. Hi, Mohab. Welcome to FS Brew. It's great to have you with us today. This is a customary question that we ask all our guests. Why insurance and how did you get into this career? Yeah, pleasure to be here, Ranjit and Vidya. An absolute pleasure. Like everyone else, I assume I didn't plan for it. I just stumbled upon a career on insurance. So eight years ago, I, just, I had just come back from Kuwait, where I was working at the time without a plan really, like just uh, coming back to Egypt. And it took a break for a while after a very stressful job and very stressful time, three years in, in Kuwait. Uh, I was lucky enough to get uh, a field supervisor job at one of uh, Egypt's leading uh, uh, insurance brokerages, and that's how my career started. Which one was it? It's called the Raya Insurance Brokerage. Perfect. Yeah, I, had, I actually met my co-founder. He was working with me at the same team. Okay. Everything. All right. Wonderful. The office is there. Okay. So when did you then finally get this idea to start Amun Leak, and what are the first sort of steps that you took to start this business? What's the story there? Yeah, in, in 2000, while at my failed job at the insurance brokerage, uh, we started a retail line of business by trying to sell local health insurance to individuals and family. And it was doing well, but at the end of each month, I would look at the commissions I was receiving against the effort I was making to, I was putting to make the sale and just wasn't worth my time or for the company. Like I, I would try to put myself in the owner's shoe and I the commission that we were getting for the manual the process of sending health insurance to individuals was too little and the cost of sale was really big. Like the conversion, if I remember the conversion, my team would have to do 100 answered calls, cold call, 100 answered cold calls per day to get 20 interested people. And out of those 20 people, we would get, like, if we were lucky, we would get five meetings. Mm. We go physically to those meetings and close three deals. I remember after, a, yeah, yeah, it was just a classic way of selling insurance. Many brokerages here in Egypt are still doing the same thing today, but very few are focused on retail. It just, it justifies why retail is so underserved in Egypt. So I just remember after, after a long work day, I would sit with Mansoor, who was my co-founder right now, and we would try to think of ways how to make the process of buying insurance more convenient for us and for the client as well. So you thought, this is so manual and the value of the policy is so little, best to reach them digitally, and that's probably the founding story, right? Exactly, yeah. So like Mansoor is a pharmacist, but he's a self-talk developer. So he just created a website while working at the brokerage. And we, we obviously had all the ready-made products for retail, for health insurance. We just put them in a very unorganized way on the website. And I remember we spent 700 Egyptian pounds on okay. Facebook, which is nothing like, and we got 1,000 leads the next day. Wow. Oh, wow. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just it just made a lot of sense for us. All right. That's the good old days of lead conversion through Facebook. So that was a sorry. I just need to. So that was a front end you put up when you were working in the old company, or what was that a separate venture? How did that happen? Yeah, we did this on the side. Okay. We tried this for travel insurance at the beginning, and we because travel insurance can be end to end. Like we didn't yeah. need anything. Like it was already the regulator had already approved for brokers to sell online purely. Okay. So we tried this for travel insurance. It worked really well, and we were doing this on the side. While working at the old brokerage, until we just took the decision and and we need to get a leap of faith. Got it. Perfect. I think you covered the next question. I was going to ask you was how what are specific tactics because we find that from the idea to get customers is always challenging. When we hit the market, we realize, oops, nobody's buying my product. In your case, there is a need for insurance. It's just the testing of the distribution channel, and I think you focused on Facebook as the first sort of maybe your 100 customers acquisition channel. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. Like I remember the cost per lead was like 15 cents. I mean, the need was there, but like it wasn't addressed because the unit economics didn't make any sense to tell that this year be these quality. Got it. So maybe I'll take the next question as well, Vidya. Obviously, this is about co-founders. You said you met your co-founder at your last job in the broking, broking company. There are a lot of startups which go completely caput because of the relationship issue with co-founders. How did you set on fixing the roles? What did you decide to do in case there is an inevitable disagreement? How did you say we will manage it this way? Yeah, so I actually met Monsoor while working at the broker and I reconnected with our third co-founder who is an old friend from university. We used to work together at one of the student organizations. But the time was working in the market research department at Netflix. He was in the charge of a cafe. So I just told them, I'm just like, I, I, we have this idea and we have, we think there is a need for it. We've done that MVP. Uh, can you help us research this a little bit and, and try to get going with the idea? The role is just made sense to everyone. I was in sales. I, I have a, I had a, a long period of sales. So I was automatically in charge of sales. Mansoor knows how to write code. So you're in charge of technology and product. Yeah, it comes from uh, a marketing uh, conglomerate like like Netflix. So he was in charge of marketing and, and after sale customer service. So it just made a lot of sense. I think we completed each other's uh, missing uh, capability. Got it, got it. And how did you manage conflicts that even inevitably come up in any startup? That's a, that's, there are healthy conflicts, there are unhealthy conflicts. The challenge is to stay on the healthy side, right? I, I think one of the things that helped us the most is that we're free, so we can always vote. You know what okay. I mean? So if, if, if the competition is going nowhere, we should vote. Hmm. Uh, but it, like you said, like disagreements are inevitable, and I think in most part they're healthy. So nobody, yeah. like we always question each other's ideas and I, and I think it's healthy in the most part. So it's very important. So I, I trust my co-founders and I've been blessed with uh, a very uh, capable uh, team, people that I've already worked with for years. So I, I think this helped a lot. Wonderful. That's awesome. So tell us a bit more now, so it's been about seven years since Amin League has started, right? Six to seven years or so. Tell us what's the current sort of business model for Amin League? How do you make your money? 
how what this product suites that you've got and how do you operate in Egypt? So our, our legal name is Ramendi Insurance Brokerage. So we finally got our brokerage license. We, we didn't buy one. It was actually very challenging because we applied from scratch and yeah, it took us two years. Okay. But, but, and this is our legal structure. We have a lot of approval for our website, the, like the, the e-commerce, the payment gateway, the buy now, pay later agreement that we have with other companies. But before acquiring our brokerage license, we had to be agile and try to keep the business open until we get the approval. So I had a personal insurance broker license, which here in Egypt is part of the regulation. Like you can be an individual insurance broker. We did all the business through my life. Oh, nice. Okay. So that was like your direct sales sort of a model, but you could still have a brand name like an Amin League and operated under an individual model. Is that correct? It's, it's a lot of liability on one person and it's a lot of uh, paperwork and, uh, and it was just like the only way to do it. We had, we did this for a couple of years and like my partners have obviously have to trust me because everything was on my own yeah. personal bank account. And, and I, at the end of the three years that we did this for the bank called me and said, we're closing your account. Yeah, that, that, that is not a personal account. But yeah, but it was legal and everything. The legal claim here in Egypt allows freelance insurance brokers to work and hire people. And we got an approval for uh, a main leak, the website on the uh, individual book. So again, uh, going back to the trust, and like I owned everything in this truck. But now we're a brokerage. Got it. So as typically uh, brokers are, you get a commission from the insurers and that's how you make money, right? Yeah. Now let's just pan out to the whole Egyptian market as a whole, massive country and, and one of the lowest probably insurance penetration rates, I think sub 1% or so. Part of the reason I think we discussed when we met last time, it's not really compulsory other than maybe third party liability for motor, right? And the other is awareness, right? How do you tackle that problem for the industry while you have internet penetration, but there is no insurance awareness, right? So Egypt has a huge population. I think we're 110 million people right now. The, the need is there. Um, and there are different segments that we can target. When we talked about, we, we did our market research and we did some interviews with people. And we found out that there was a, a huge need for payment facility. The products that were sold, especially in retail, were outdated. If you're MetLife, if you're a, a large multinational company, you would come and you'd have a set of products worldwide that you just do and you would try to sell them here in Egypt. And sometimes these products didn't make sense to the, the certain segments. So we tried to innovate in, uh, on the product side. We tried to sell the products on monthly installments as well. Mm -hmm. We were the first product to, to, we were the first broker to sell retail policies on monthly installments in partnership with Buy Now Pay Later company. And in the early days of COVID, we introduced a health insurance plan that covered the pandemic. It sold very well. And, and a story that I like to tell on our new team members is about one of our early adopters who bought a health insurance plan for the first time in, their, in, in his life. It cost him around 500 Egyptian pounds, which at the time was $27. Later in the year, he got covered for a heart attack and, and was covered for treatment which is what around 100,000 Egyptian pounds. So like in this typical example, insurance was a lifesaver and I, I think it's a huge value dispersed. So you package these kind of real customer stories and use that to raise awareness? Yeah, but even if 
Like you're not going to be able to raise awareness for 110 million people. The people that already have the need, but do not have the means to pay for it or do not find the suitable coverage that they're looking for. Hey. If you just solve for them, they're in a, a significant number or, or a significant market for it. So it's always, so it's best to always find a market within that big market and have a targeted way of approaching. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that is absolutely in your control to come up with that innovative set of product. Technology is always something in your control because you build it for the relevant audience. One of the biggest challenges insurtechs typically face is convincing these insurers to come on board and write, underwrite those innovative products, come on board as partners. Tell us all the challenges that Amleek went through and what's been the journey and how did you manage to get all of those partners on board now? Before starting, we were working in insurance. So we had some kind of relationship with the different insurance partners. But what caught my attention back then, they just framed us in, or put us in this frame of price comparison. And that's all they cared about. So I would tell them what I was doing and it was like 20 different things and they would only put us in the price comparison. So the cheap insurance company, so like the cheaper one that had competitive pricing, they thought they could be positioned as cheap companies that didn't, and it wasn't the positioning that they want to put in public and the more expensive ones or the more premium ones, they don't want to be uh, in the positioning of uh, expensive and nobody's going to buy it from us and you're going to harm our business. So it just didn't suit anybody. Mm. But this, so actually one of the things that we did in the early days is that we removed all the logo of the insurance company and we just put a price comparison with our logo on it. So we tried to package the plans without showing the insurance company. So when people would buy, uh, we would reveal the, the insurance uh, company logo. Until we got enough traction and until like we won a word, especially in retail, because like in the retail in Egypt, they're super underserved. So once we just focused on it, we started being the number one broker at different insurance companies. So they started buying into this idea. That's interesting. So you disguised the name of the insurance company and when the sale happened, obviously the policy documents had the names. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And then customers actually went for it as well. So that's even more interesting. Super interesting. No, go on. No, it was just all about the trust that you build as a broker because insurance in Egypt, like no one is going to recognize most of the insurance companies' names to be on. So you just promise certain coverage and you focus on like your Google SEO and the, the reviews from people and they'll just buy into what you send them. Got it. Then, so now, St staying with the distribution again, obviously you are on a direct-to-customer kind of an approach, but we see some of the insurtechs looking at affinity partnerships or B2B2C approaches as well. Does that make sense in your business model? Are you doing something in that space? You'd love to know. Yeah, I, I think B2B2C is eventually going to be the way to sell insurance, especially like the low premium type or like the, what I call the one page policy micro types that yeah. are very simple, very easy to sell. However, there is still a need for like technology infrastructure that is just still not there in, in Egypt yet. And actually we tried a couple of things. One of, one of them worked. We tried to partner with a tech company here in Egypt that does their own solutions and we sold health insurance 
to the employee's family on installment. Okay. Uh, and this took off very well because it was a need, especially for children. Most companies here in Egypt do not cover family. They only provide medical insurance for the employee. And we just bundled it on the payroll. I would deduct from each employee a certain amount to cover their, their children. Yeah, that's the way to go, embedding it in a way here and a relevant way. Now, stepping back, we want to, there is a lot of trends that happening in the Middle East region that's shaping our industry, right? For instance, with health insurance, we're seeing a lot of variables-based health insurance plans coming up. With motor insurance, there is PSA Gold, there is cyber insurance, there are even insurance for futuristic products like NFT. It's not futuristic, but yeah, it's already there, but yeah, NFTs and so on. So tell us, what are the trends you are looking at? What are the trends you are tracking? What is Amanli tracking and what are you planning to do about these trends? A huge pain for us is the loss ratio and health insurance. The number one thing that is causing the loss ratio to increase is that we're hyper-focused on this actually. And I think wearables are going to do to play a huge part in this. It's going to save insurance companies a lot of money and it's going to save the clients a lot of money. So there is a lot to be done on the area of preventative care and health insurance in general. But we have exciting plans for this in, in 2024. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, so our focus is on dynamic pricing. At the moment, insurance risk is, is priced the same for different people with different risk profiles. So we're trying to help with the underwriting of the policy. So obviously we're a tech player and we collect a lot of data. So just giving some insight to the insurer or the underwriter partner to, to help us lower the loss ratio. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, we have some players here as well who are operating in that space who try to channel some rewards back to customers who are doing healthy activities, right? So that's, that's a pattern that they use. Okay, now funding is a very important topic for all startups and I presume it's for you as well. It can be the rocket fuel that takes you to the next step, but it can be a hard job to get that funding, right? So Talk to us about the last funding round that Aman Leek went through. Was it private or public? And how did you go about raising the funds and selecting the right investors for you? That'd be good to know. Yeah. So we're blessed with great institutions investors who not only bring capital, but also they bring a lot of strategic value to us. One of our investors is Orange Venture, the, industry, the venture capital arm of Orange Telecom. And, uh, and Bankmus, which is Egypt's uh, second largest bank. We have also Launch Africa, Venture Capital, and EFGEV, which are local venture capital firms. We also have a selected group of angels on our cap table as well. Sorry, go on. I, I was going to ask you about the process that you went through to get these great investors. Yeah, the, the second part of the question, yes. So when, when we started out, I figured that I will be getting more no's than the apple, and... <laughs> It also exceeded my expectations. It's a very draining experience from raising and especially in the insurtech space. Because you get a lot of no's. I think the conversion for us was like 5%, something like that. So like I had out of 100 people, I got five. So much worse than the Facebook ads then. And it, it, it takes a toll on you. If you don't have the confidence in your idea, I think a lot of people would take it personally and maybe not pursue capital investment. But my advice is always to break down your investor list into two. One without insurtech record record and not likely to invest. And the other part is in 
very connected investors that have insured tech track record in MENA or similar region. You start with the ones that are not likely to invest. Learn from the questions that the, you're, you're going to be at. Set a target of no out of this list because you're mostly all of them are going to say no anyway. Yep. Your main target is to learn from the no's. Always ask for feedback with regard the lazy no's because there are a lot of lazy no's. Don't listen to people that don't listen to people or like anyone that doesn't get it. If they don't get it, just, just don't listen to them. But learn a lot from the conscious notes that you will get. Once you have this experience, start approaching your more selected venture capitals or investors in general, talking to them. You will be better presenting your idea and more prepared for any question. And this was the, how we, we did it. Fantastic. That's one of the best answers I've heard, Mohab. Absolutely. <laughs> A nice, strong advice for the startups to look at. Really, very good. And also, though, finally, your investors have come on board are excellent avenues to sell embedded insurance, really, all fantastic industries to associate with. So, close to you guys for pulling them up. So, if, and Egypt is one of those countries which has such a high potential. There are changes, the energy is palpable, that many things are happening quite rapidly in the country. Now, if you had a wish list of positive and really enabling regulations that the government can make, that the regulators can make in Egypt for the insurance sector, what would that be? Especially under the current leadership, they, they listen to the market and consult stakeholders like us in decision making. Or I've actually been invited last month to sit okay. with the, the chairman, among other insurance brokerages, and they just they listen to us and they listen to our needs. However, more digital transformation and form enforcement laws are required. Like insurance companies here in Egypt have a lot on their plate, as it is. Um, they don't see why they should spend all that money for digital transformation, which is, it's, it's a very vague term, to be honest. And they don't know like how to quantify the opportunity or the benefits of spending all that money. So unless, that's my belief, in the most part, unless we are not being full force, I think their days are already full and they don't have capacity to take that issue. So I think if, if there is the regulator, the regulation to push them for this transformation, this will help the market to be like, it will definitely improve penetration in the market. Yeah, I suppose things like APIs, and access to core insurance systems would help a lot. Yeah, and a lot of, the things that we do with the insurer right now are very manual. I, I think like there is a lot to do. There are no brainers to be up. Yeah, got it. As we come towards the end of the main section of the podcast, the last question is probably what are your future diversification plans in terms of product lines or geographies that Aman Lake would try to get into in the near future? We're hyper-focused on Egypt right now. There is a lot to be done here. Um, uh, we want to be uh, one of the top three brokerages in, in Egypt within, or like by 2020. We obviously look at the GCC as we want to be there at some point, but, uh, but at, at the time, at the moment, we're hyper-focused on Egypt. Okay. Egypt is big enough to keep you occupied for a long time. Certainly. Not sure. Perfect. Well, so now, obviously, our much-loved rapid-fire section, which we fire away at the leaders to help people understand the personal side of the leaders. Answers have to be in 60 seconds or less. If you're ready, I will fire a few your way. Definitely. Okay. 
So here goes. What is the biggest lesson you would say that you have learned in your career so far? I think grit and resilience are the best predicting factors of success. That's what I learned in my journey and that's what I hire for right now. I used to be a competitive swimmer growing up when I was part of I, I was pretty good. If you, when I look at the journey, the first 10 years of my career in swimming, they felt like I, I, I was very behind when it comes to swimming. I, did, I just didn't care. And by just keeping on going to the training and showing up every day, I think I started to improve and get better. Not didn't change anything. Didn't change my physique. Didn't change anything. I just changed my mindset. And I felt I, that's something that I love doing. I love the team. And I just want to show up. I ended up being one of the best naturally in Egypt. And, and I think I just didn't know how you climbing up the rank. Fantastic. That's a great, that's a great story. And one word to describe your leadership style. So I do a lot of coaching. Don't touch too much coaching to my people, but I always try to align their creative goals with what the company needs. So, so the leader as a coach, then that's your leadership style. Got it. Perfect. What would you say is your favorite city for travel? It can be business, pleasure, anything. Paris. Paris. Fantastic. What would you say is the one book or blog post or a podcast or YouTube video that you tend to recommend the most to others? A book named Trillion Dollar Code. It has a lot of leadership lessons yeah, from Bill Campbell, who yes. used to be an executive coach to best Silicon Valley entrepreneurs. It's a great book. Absolutely great book. Yeah. And the last one from my side, before we hand it over to Vidya, is what do you think is the most exciting tech innovation in insurance right now? I think the use of smartphone, the potential use of smartphone and detecting that wherever it will make a revolution in, in the insurance industry. Perfect. Who's the most inspiring entrepreneur for you? Personally, my uncle, he started one of the top now outdoor advertising agencies here in Egypt. And he's been my role model since my father died. Father died when I was young, so I, I always looked up to my uncle. Another person that I look up to is the late Egyptian businessman, Raoul Gabu. Okay. 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 So are you a, a work from home person or you're a work from office person? I'm not really told on the work from home yet. I prefer to work on the in the office. Yeah, it's it's great to feel the energy. What's the best risk ever taken by you? I think starting a main league is the biggest. And this got taken. I I spent a year without a salary and I drained my savings account. I can imagine. Oh, hopefully it pays <laughs> off. <laughs> I know that I got a gamble. <laughs> and before I got married. Oh my god! Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Good. Wonderful. So finally, what's your top priority for Amin Leek in 2024? We want to triple last year's Wow. Fabulous. Wonderful. So it's quite ambitious. We wish you the very best. We had a great chat and you gave a very punchy advice as well for the startups in terms of how to go about pitching. It's a pleasure to speak with you, Mohab. Thank you, Thanks. Vidya. It was great to have you, Mohab. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.